0: Listening to Militantly Mixed. I would like to acknowledge that the Militantly Mixed podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Chumash and the Tongva people, and I wish to pay my respects to the people of those nations, both past and present. Hey, y'all! Welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host Charmaine, aka Mixed Girl Maine. The busiest mixed race, bisexual, polyamorous, atheist, comic book nerd, cat mom, mask making, Gulf Coast Cosmos comic book co owning Asian American Podcasters Association's Golden Crane Award winning podcaster in this podcasting game. This is episode 136, and today I am being joined by fellow Asian American Podcasters Association's Golden Crane Award winning podcaster, Jen Lee. From the Auth Ethnic Podcast, which I have mentioned on the show before, Jin Lee and her co-host Youngsu Kang, who is a Korean-American historian, and Jin is of Chinese and Chicana descent. She calls herself Chicanese. They host a podcast about racial and social justice from the Asian-American perspective. And while they don't only talk about Asian-American racial and social justice issues, they're talking about the whole umbrella of those issues. There are times when they invite guests from other communities to talk more about those issues from their perspective. So it's an, so they're actually not talking about these things in an echo chamber, but wanting to get involved as Asian Americans in that space. It is a really good show. Their first season was six episodes and they're relevant at all times. So it's not, even though the show's every already aired, I I really hope that y'all check it out. I will put a link in the show notes to the show because I I think it is a really good show. And they are going to be releasing their second season uh, this summer at some point, I believe is what they said. It was really fun listening back to this episode for the edit. We did record it a while back, but um, Jen is awesome. I really really like her and I hope that we become lifelong friends. We have a lot in common. We love food. We love food and that is um, pretty much the bulk of some of the conversation that we had. So I I really am excited about sharing this episode with y'all as well. And you know I'm happy to report that I feel a lot better this week than I did last week when I when I dropped that solo episode explaining what was going to happen with the upcoming extended hiatus that I was doing um you know my stress and anxiety have been really high because I'm not recovering fast but I'm not recovering fast because my stress and anxiety is high <laughs> so I'm just feeding myself in this like gross cycle of stress anxiety and prolonged health recovery but when I let everybody know that and I published that solo episode, uh, like a bunch of anxiety released off my shoulders, knowing that, you know, good or bad, making the decision to try to go on extended hiatus for the sake of my health and for the sake of having the time to transition from LA to Houston um, and while ramping up my business from a distance and ramping down my day job. To a different version of it, I'm actually sticking with the school for a little while, remotely, but in a different capacity than I than I currently am. Um, it was just a lot, and it I was I struggle with not being able to do it all. (laughs) It's a big problem for me. I, I over promise. I put not over promise. I promise big with the expectation that I'm going to do that. And then I continue to stress myself out as I make it happen. Um, I'm still capable, but it's not a healthy way to be, you know, I, it's just not. Um, I'm doing too many things and I, I finally have to admit that that is the case. And in doing that and in also receiving the messages that I received from some of you, um, either in comments on the posts that I did about the episode, but also getting some private DMs or some emails, some of y'all jumped in to let me know that you would still be riding with me and with the show when I come back and that you understand um, my need to take a hiatus. And it's so weird that i'm so apologetic about this too knowing how many other shows do hiatuses or even seasons where they're gone for long periods of time and they come back but you know i got myself on a cycle of a weekly show when i got started and i got to the point that i thought i was probably gonna always have to do that but that may not necessarily be the case and and maybe giving myself these breaks will will be will allow me to produce better shows in the future as well which is what I am always striving for. So thank you to everybody that sent me those positive messages and those encouraging things and, and even the tough love messages. I appreciate those too that are telling me to take the breaks. I, I, I am. I'm going to. And I think because I made that decision last week, I actually do feel a lot better this week than, than I have in a while. Um, so I think reducing that stress really helped. I'm still not at uh, full health. I'm, I'm just not in as much pain as I had been. Which is good, which is positive. Let's see what else is going on. So, at the time you're listening to this, it will have already aired, but at the time I'm recording this, we haven't done that yet. On Sunday, <laughs> May 16th at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, I, alongside Rohan Jolie from the Blasian March and Asian Sof, activator here in Los Angeles from Mixed Present, uh, we're going to be on a live stream panel discussion talking about Black and Asian solidarity and the legacy of Yuri Kochiyama and Malcolm X relationship and the work that they had done within racial, social, political justice spaces. And so that is going to have aired live on Sunday on the militantly mixed platforms. And then on the 19th, which I think is Wednesday, that is going to air on the Blasian March um, platforms. It is Something being organized and produced by the Blasian March, but we're kind of co-doing it, and that's why it's going to air on uh, live on Militantly Mixed. So check that out. If you miss it when it's live, it's going to be available again, or it's going to be available on YouTube for Militantly Mixed, but also it'll be available on the Blasian March uh, uh, platforms as well. And so maybe not this week, but next week I'll put links to that in the episode but you can always go to the military mix facebook page or social media to find it instagram we have links to everything there as well so please do check that out so let's jump into today's episode ahead of today's episode i i do want to say a couple of clarifying things for what we discuss in this episode uh so we talk about the term chicana and I grew up in Southern California in which the way that I had learned the word meant California born Mexican um, to the people that I grew up around. Uh, and that I've kind of held on to that idea all this time. And, and I haven't really updated it or corrected it because I learned it from just regular ass people telling me how they identified. The actual definition of Chicano, Chicana is someone of Mexican heritage that lives in the US. So, you could be born in, you know, born here. Or born in Mexico, but if you have Mexican heritage, Mexican descent, and you're living here in the U.S., you can call yourself a Chicano, a Chicana. There's also Tijana, which comes up in the episode, meaning a Texas, you know, me- person of Mexican heritage that lives in Texas or was born in Texas. Um, and then we discuss a little bit the, you know, Latino, Latina, Latinx, Latine. This is an area in which I am in learning mode right now. I'm trying to figure out what is the best way for me to state. Identity, Latin American identity on the show in a meaningful, thoughtful way that is also reflective of the way the community feels, knowing that the community is not a monolith. We've been using Latinx for a while now, and in doing some research and recent discussions I've had, that isn't necessarily something that makes sense to all people of Latin descent. And so I'm having discussions with people to try to figure out what do I use when I'm talking in very general spaces versus what I use when someone tells me what their identity is. If someone tells me what their identity is, I'm going to use that. In this particular case with this episode with Jen Lee, she uses Chicana. I refer to her as Chicana all the way through the recording. Um, That being said, in recent discussions I've been having, I'm starting to lean towards using Latayin in the general sense because of the non-binary availability that is lent with that word. One, that it actually is something that you can say in Spanish uh, versus Latinx, which if I guess you were to say it in Spanish, it would be like Latinx, but that's not what's said here in the States when we talk about it. Um, and there's a mixed bag. People from Latin America who think it's weird that are using Latinx or Latine because they're fine with a masculine feminine in their language. And then there's people here that I've talked to that say, no, we want something that is gender neutral because some of us are gender neutral. So in trying to be as aware and thoughtful and meaningful in the use of my language that I always try to be, Um, this one has been tough for me because one, I don't come from a Latin American heritage. So I'm certainly not a person that can make a decision on behalf of the population, but I want to make sure that I, what words I do use is accurate, is appreciated, is accepted. So I still default with whatever you tell me your identity is, is how I will identify you. But in the general terms with all these conversations, um, I've been having, I, I'm going to be actively trying to adopt using Latayin or saying people of Latin American heritage, either one. And then I will continue to have these conversations with people from those actual communities to uh, better inform when and how I use it. Um, it's a little bit, you know, you've heard, you hear me talk about it in terms of the Asianness. I always say, you know, we're not Asian in Asia, we're Asian here in America, or I assume throughout the Western world, we would also be considered Asian. But when we go back home, we are from the countries that we're at and we don't consider ourselves as a big monolithic thing, heritage thing, as we do here in the States. I always assign myself to Japanese. I didn't assign myself to Asian until really recently. Am I starting to um, engage in Asian American spaces. So I'm working on it in my own community, <laughs> even with black. I use black. I don't use African American because I grew up black. I didn't grow up with African knowledge or education or stories or a- heritage being um talked about or discussed or learned, taught, anything, um, but I am a Black American and therefore that's why I use the term Black. That being said, now that I understand where my heritage comes from, the different tribes of Gabon that I come from, and I'm doing my research of those places, I'm still not adopting the terminology. I'm not telling people I'm of I'm Gabonese. I'm telling people I come from a Gabon heritage, heritage of Gabon, Gabonese, what have you. So it's something I'm working on for myself too, but I don't want to not be mindful of the categories that I don't come from. And I wanna use the right language for everybody because this is a mixed ass show and we are some mixed ass people and we come from all over the place. And I wanna make sure that um, whatever I do, that I'm not inadvertently erasing somebody with the language that I use. It's really important to me that I to do that um, actively. And, you know, sometimes it really takes someone bringing it up for awareness to hit. And so, having the conversations I've been having lately, it's why this has been on my mind. So, when we talk in, in this episode about, and we use the word Chicana, we're using the word that the guest identifies with. and And then also, like I said, I even tell her during the show that the way I interpreted that word versus the way it's actually meant to be received were different. Um, so that's why I wanted to clarify that at the beginning of the show. All right, that's it. That's all I got. Without further ado, please join me in welcoming our latest cousin and my future uh, food travel vlog buddy to the Militantly Mixed Family, Jen Lee. excited that we're getting a chance to talk again um, because we've worked on a project together recently for the AA. Oh, I was about to lose it. I was about to AAP. say Stop Asian Hate, but I meant to say AAP, Asian American Podcasters Association. Uh, we we put together a document that had to do with um, things Let's that we can that. do as content creators to, to uh, support Stop Asian Hate. Stop AAPI hate, etc. So we got to work on that together, and we also met through Asian American Podcasters Association because we were both winners, winners <laughs> of the Golden Crane Awards. Um, so I'm I'm excited. Let's get into. it. Why don't you introduce yourself to everybody and and, and let's go. Let's get into. It. Sure.
1: Yeah. Hey everyone. My name is Jen Lee. She/her. I am half Chinese and half Mexican. Though I. Kind of prefer the term Chicana, so the Chicanex, Chicano, Chicana uh, terminology. Um, I am a podcaster as well, just like Charmaine had said. Uh, our podcast, I co host with um, a history teacher, uh, Yon Su Kang, who's Korean American. And we co-host the Off Ethnic podcast, which covers uh, racial and social justice issues from the Asian-American perspective. Um, So super happy to be here Um, when I'm not podcasting. I'm a UX writer at a tech company, uh, a big tech company at that. But Yeah, Uh, I'm doing that. And um, I recently moved to Oakland, California. So I'm out in the Bay Area. I was in SF for a year, moved out to Oakland and literally just today I volunteered for an organization called compassion Oakland which um, kind of patrols the streets but patrol was probably not the right word but they just walk the streets and like help out the nine nais and the yagas ye yes, so that's mm-hmm. like Asian elderly Chinese Asian elderly. elderly yeah to yeah, cross the streets you know because those those lights are really fast yeah um, And we just had someone today um, come and like remember or like see the logo. They're like, "Oh, it's you guys! Can you help me walk me home?" So I walked like a cute um, uh, grandpa home today.
0: Oh, that's cute. Yeah, that's. I I know that they've been in Oakland or the Bay Area in particular has been more. well at least they've done the better marketing to let people know that that exists that service exists um i know it's happening here in los angeles too but not to the degree that i even know how to find the people but Mm. um we we do really seem to need now in particular to to protect our elders um more so than i think i've ever experienced in in my life i don't know specifically why in the recent uptick of Mm. asian violence Mm. even though i don't think Mm. it has decreased that much but um that they're going after the elders. Like, yeah. how is yeah. that in defense of COVID or whatever the things that they think that they're fighting against? Um, I think that's really shocking, but that's awesome that you're doing you're participating in that yeah are you originally from california or are you from texas yeah that's a great question
1: i kind of consider myself a nomad i have okay. a very long story so i can kind of try and shorten it but i was actually <laughs> born in hong kong okay. uh, in 1993 so that was when Hong Kong was still part of uh, the British, British occupation, rule, yeah. right? British rule. So technically I could have gotten a British passport, but my Latina mom was like, no, she is hundred percent American. She's <laughs> not going to have that crap. Like, <laughs> no. So they, my, my parents were American diplomats. They worked for the government. Okay. So they were in Hong Kong at the time in their, in their service. Um, and I was born there. Mm. Um, so automatically American by birth. Um, And uh, lived there when I was like a baby, kind of like a child. And then we moved to D.C. I mean, surprise, surprise. There are the government jobs. Lots of people in in D.C. and Northern Virginia, also called Nova, as we call Mm -hmm. it, or the DMV, District of Columbia, Maryland, Virginia, DMV. Also (laughs) the most nightmarish place in the entire world. Uh, (laughs) But, um, yeah, so I would consider that home. I would consider uh Nova, Northern Virginia, DC metro area, my home. Um, but I was in Austin for a time because my parents have now retired there. So I visit Austin a lot and I I did live there. Um, but then I got a job at the tech company out here in the Bay. Um so I moved here, but then COVID hit. So I've
0: been I've been in the Bay for a little over a year. Mm. Yeah. So kind of new um, the reason why I asked, I guess, because I did grow up, I consider myself kind of for the longest, I consider myself just way too Californian than I thought. I thought <laughs> I was like an East Coaster in mentality, but I was born on the West Coast. Uh, but I have lived in and out of Texas so many times that I'm mm-hmm. I, at this point, I think I'm technically a Calexan because Ooh, I like uh, a Calexan. But the reason why I ask you is because you do describe yourself as Chicana. And to me, as a kid who grew up in California, that signals California born Mexican. I don't know if that's accurate all the time, though, because I know everybody has a different view of what it is. So what is your identity related to the Chicana Side of you,
1: yeah. I think for me, I've had my mom use it, so I've kind of like adapted mm. whatever she's used, even though she is like Tejana, like Texan born. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the reason I adopt that more is just within college, trying to find out and connect more to my Latinx identity, and then mm-hmm. Chicano, like Chicano studies back then, like the right, thing, right. Chicano studies. So then I kind of just took that. As oh, it's very American. Like it has that Americanness to mm-hmm. it, without yeah. needing to say like Mexican American. Like it's right. very long. Um, so during my time in college, that's when I was first exposed to the term, and then that's when I decided to kind of so like. It. It. And then just like with maybe like other mixed folks where you have to build your own vernacular or create your own mm. term for yourself uh, with Chinese and Chicana, it's very nice. So yes. I like to call myself Chicanese.
0: Chicanese.
1: Uh, so that's kind of also why I think I like it a little bit more. I like looks, that too. It
0: I love alliteration, first of all, because I'm a huh. comic book fan. So, literally everything exactly. that I can do, I try to alliterate in some way, shape, or form. So, that speaks to me. Um, but I love the hybrid terms that we come up for ourselves as well. Black Anise is Black-anese. the one that I, even though I am tri racial, it's really hard to include the white, even though that's a part of me because I don't mm-hmm. maneuver. Mm-hmm. I certainly maneuver as a brown person. So, mm-hmm. black Anise makes more sense to me. I like chicken Um <laughs> I, I love the ones that we come up for ourselves. I really, I really, really do. But I, I, I was just having this conversation with someone earlier today. That's why it's, it's awesome that you and I are the ones talking about it um, <laughs> because we were talking about the difference between understanding Latino, Latina, Latinx, Latine or mm. Latine, And then to use the way I was trying to understand what is the best thing to be saying now, because I want to be thoughtful and, and respectful about all things. And that's an access point. Even though I grew up down here in in Southern California, since I'm not mixed with it, I don't have the, mm-hmm. I guess, the skin in the game to try to figure out what, it, like, I want to figure out what the best thing is. But, you know, I know no one's a monolith. But then I remember the fight between the kids that described themselves as Mexican growing up down here versus mm. the ones that described themselves as Chicano. And then on top of that, the Chicanos that were like, what are you? Mexican Chicano, or are you Chicano, Chicano? I was like, what the hell is that? And it was the <laughs> difference between the, the Mexican heritage people that had been in California for generations before the U.S. stole mm-hmm. the land. Yeah, um, And so those were the Chicano, Chicanos. <laughs> and then you had your Mexican Chicanos that were like California born Mexican, but they're genera- first or second generation. So literally the complication between how people identify and like what is their accent point i or access point i always i want to know as best as i can because i want to try to be able to like explain it you know as much as i can with people so that that helps i i wanted to know i don't know why i guess i just assumed you were from texas because your parents were there um
1: yeah it's it's like um it's like my i don't know how to say this in a in a cool, (laughs) suave way. But I think like how I've kind of lived my life or how, how I kind of reference myself in like my points of life is just recent history. Like if you scroll in your app, what's my recent history? Like that's kind of how I feel like I live my life and my touch points. Like, oh, it's easier for me to say to people I'm from Austin because that's where I recently was from or where I lived before coming here. Like even before that, I wouldn't, I would have said, "Oh, I worked and lived in Sweden for two years," which I did prior. So it's like going, like using the reference points because, like, as mixed folks, we have such a rich history and we just have a lot of complexity that sometimes we just feel like I just need to boil this down to a couple sentences so 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 no one
0: asks this question. Like, yeah, they
1: ask this question, but like, do they actually want to hear the real? They're like, yeah, kind of like vet people and like, how interested would they be? Like, how do I know this person well enough where I can tell them? So, like, so, too, with my own identity, I kind of feel like even my social context or, like, whatever I have to... Say I have to I feel like I have to boil it down and just use right. the recent parts of like where I've been.
0: That um, that makes a lot of sense to me. Since my most recent state outside of California was Massachusetts, I will never claim okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, so that spot. It's a deep north. So I did like skip it where I, I was like, oh, most recently, okay. like I'll say people that I lived in Boston, but I'll but at the same time I'll be like, but you know, Austin is the last spot that I like lived lived, <laughs> even though literally I lived, lived. In Massachusetts yeah. for for six winners but uh, wow. but yeah, I, that one I had to skip. But it also depends on the context, because if I'm asking, if I'm being asked by a white person who clearly just is othering me <laughs> in the moment, I make them go through the whole thing. I'm from California. Mm. Oh, where are you from? Well, Long Beach, but technically Sacramento. I was born in, and then I moved around a lot, and then I lived in Texas for a little while. Da, 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 da. You know, I'll do that whole thing. They're like, yeah, but where are you really from? And I was like, well, I identify as with the Long Beach because that's where my personality, really <laughs> came into, you know, that kind of stuff. Until they finally ask where the Brown is from. Um, mm-hmm. and, wow, and so that's really
1: like, rude that they they stick it through to the end till they finally get what they
0: want. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it is amazing. And I remember the moment it finally clicked for me that it wasn't I wasn't obligated to tell anybody mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. because I just wanted to say I was from California. That's all I wanted to say with this particular person on an an airplane. And the more she asked, the more I was like, oh, I see what's happening here. And I'm like, let's let's run this through. Let's see how far (laughs) it goes. And she she, she kept going, 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 going. And then finally, I did say to her, I know what you're trying to ask me, but you want me to tell you and I'm not going to tell you, but you can go ahead and ask me. And she eventually came out to say that the reason why she was curious about my ambiguous face mm-hmm, was because mm-hmm. her daughter was about to have a baby with a Mexican man. And she was curious if I was mm-hmm. one of those. And, um, mm-hmm. and so I was like, ever since that moment, I'm like, you know what? I will never again, make it easy <laughs> for a yeah. white person to, who was asking that question, to, uh, to ask one that One of question. those, That just sound
1: like even coming from like the future grandma. Just yeah.
0: To-
1: <laughs> I'm uh, sure she was
0: curious of, like, what made me brown. Like, if I was Mexican and white, which is what she was, I guess, hoping, maybe? Ugh. I don't know. Um, then it would be like, okay, so you're kind of like, I guess I can roll with that level of brown, right. you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I I wouldn't. I, that was the moment that I learned I was never going to just grant it without um, yeah. without making someone. I want them to feel... If they're going to go down that route, I want them to feel really uncomfortable or yeah. learn to feel uncomfortable. That's yeah. probably a better thing. Learn to feel uncomfortable about how much access they believe they have to, to people of color of any kind. And so that brings me kind of to um, sort of the, how your podcast has developed is developed is you have very specific topics within various aspects of racial identity, racial discussion, social justice issues. And then you want to talk about it from the Asian-American perspective, but when you feel like it's not your spot, you invite people over yes. that are from those different communities so that they can shed their light. And, and obviously we're not thinking that the one person or you or them are the, are the monolith, but you're opening the dialogue publicly so that people can finally hear like, oh, this is what a conversation between a person that identifies as a, a black woman that is a anime geek and blah, 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 would have this conversation with a, you know, a chickenese and a Korean yeah. American historian. Um, so let's get into a little bit of, of within your own racial identity, what got you to wanting to have these types of conversations on a podcast versus just like living your mixed ass life? Just
1: <laughs> I think um, that's a great question. I think for me, you know, as a mixed individual, you straddle two, if not more identities, uh, not even with identities related to skin color, ethnicity, et cetera. It could just be different aspects of you, of your mm-hmm. life. Oh, well, I'm a soccer player, but I'm also a what, you know? Right, right. You can even be that, right? Um, and I feel like it's, I've come to realize maybe in the past three, five years, like that's a strength. Um, to really be able to look at things in a multifaceted, multifaceted way. Right. Um, like that is a strength that we have. Um, and I think because I'm able to look at things in such a different, in at least two different ways or multiple ways, uh, I have this innate desire to just learn other ways that I may not be able to see or that I don't know. Mm -hmm. I think also as mixed individuals, we have to live a life of accommodation and code switching. Like, okay, I have to act Asian here. I have to act American here. I have to act, um, a little bit more Latinx here. Like, well, maybe not me, but like but you know what I mean. Like, oh, I gotta break out my, my Spanish here to help this abuelita or this little yeah. abuela in like to the Chicago airport. Like she's lost. Like I'm gonna break right. that out. Um so I think that's why I like to invite people who I don't have that identity. I don't have those experiences. And who am I to like say, oh, I totally know how a black woman feel. Like, no, right, of course yeah. not. Like, I'm, I don't know. And like, I think I've always just been a very curious person and, and someone who really has become friends or it's, it, I found like it's been very, it's easier to befriend people of color And better yet, mixed friends. I kind of like, before coming onto the show, I kind of just did like a Rolodex of some of my really close friends or just friends in general. And I'm like, I've got a lot of mixed friends. (laughs) And it's kind of just like once you find out, like even just today, when I was in Compassion in Oakland doing our walk around Oakland Chinatown, one of my... um, like pod mates we have little pods one of my pod mates jamar he is black and korean and Mm -hmm. i was like oh my god i was like immediately just like i knew uh, like we're we're the same but we're not the same but i'm so excited that we're the same i was like
0: like so excited and then you could even tell like he was kind of excited too
1: and like (laughs) it was just it it, i mean we were already kicking it off with like our other pod mate and we were a great pod but like i somehow felt like more close to him Absolutely. just the fact that they were mixed <laughs>
0: no 100 percent. i when so i grew up super mixed like my parents are both biracial i'm a mgm multi-generational mixed kid all my cousins are mixed i lived a very mixed life plus we're military family so we just had yeah. mixed interracial families and mixed families all over the place and then i went out into the wild in the wild and mixed people just laying around, and I was just like, Where the hell? Like, <laughs> I, that's when you realize, like, oh, there was something really kind of special about the way that I got to have yeah. access to people because I own and enjoy my own cultures and stuff like that. But the second that I know someone else's mix, I feel like we're the same, even if we don't, yeah the same culture have the same heritage it's just we at least know we've all been asked where are you from no yep. where are you really from? what We're are all, you what are you we've all been exoticized or fetishized in some way shape or form oh with you i can get a black and a japanese girl oh. um you know all those kinds of stuff like we can get all we we can get that and we could have a context-free conversation um even if it is just about like you know so I like fried chicken, but I really like sesame chicken more than anything. <laughs> but like, if I could get sesame chicken with this waffle, then I've combined my mm-hmm. Japanese fried chicken with my chicken and waffle <laughs> dish. You know, like that kind of stuff where you could just have that conversation with somebody. No question Yeah. It's just like, I yes, 100 percent. I get this. Um, fusion restaurants were this weird I thing. I love fusion. <laughs>
1: I do too. I, I, because it's like, like. I don't know, you get those like people who are like mm-hmm, authentic only for me yeah. and it's like, what is even authentic? Which is ironic because that's our kind of like a plan <laughs> okay. But like what is authentic food? You know, like I, cultures I meant to mix yeah i was just excited because
0: i was like i literally want to eat mixed food i didn't know that that was the thing it was satisfying but i was just like this is amazing and it was basically just because i wanted food to be like me which is mixed and i enjoy it um and going to cultural events and things like that too i always did also seek out like are there any you would look for boots or something that would indicate there was something available for you as a mixed Mm -hmm. person, all those kinds of stuff. So, um, I think the same phenomenon that we're talking about happened when we were on the award ceremony for the golden cranes is, you know, when my award had come up and I, I didn't realize that, um, Lee and and Andrew didn't know the story behind my logo. So I explained the story behind my logo. And then I talked, you know, I just put it up front, like I'm too mixed to be Asian, I'm too black Mm to be, I'm too American to be. And so like to feel accepted within the Asian thing was such a big deal. And then to see the the comment stream pop up of like not just like you're Asian enough for us, but also like, hey, I'm mixed. Hey, I'm a mixed Asian too. Hey, actually, I'm mixed. And I'm like, are mixed Asians just chilling in Asian? Asian-American spaces <laughs> and I didn't know this whole damn time. Um. Well, I think I think that's really what you're
1: saying is getting at something that I've also experienced where you kind of feel like you have to choose a side. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes you don't feel like enough on that right. side and then you feel like conflicted. But I certainly have felt like my life has been dictated by the fact that I just look more Asian presenting. You do, yeah. And I think as you probably know, And what I believe to be true is Asian communities are hella xenophobic and they're hella exclusive. They're hella exclusionary. And if I didn't look Asian, I probably would have had a really rough time living abroad in China, growing up in like high school and elementary, like, like, especially high school. Like I don't think I would have had my Asian or my Chinese clique of like crazy rich Asians before crazy rich Asians came out. (laughs) But like, I wouldn't have had, those friends, I don't think they would have been my friends right. because
0: if I had looked different, you know. Um, and you're not as ambiguous of like they're right. You but, you could be full Asian or. Right some kind of hybrid Asian, other Asian, but, you know, people aren't necessarily looking at you and thinking off the cuff that you're a Chicana.
1: Yeah. It's, um,
0: yeah. Like that never comes up.
1: I've never once had someone guess correctly that the other half is Mexican or like Latinx, like another kind of Latin country. And like what you were kind of saying earlier about how like people uh, really want to guess you like from the beginning or they really want to get at it. For me, it's more like I volunteer that information Mm. and then they're like, oh, I never thought of that or, oh, I thought you were this
0: no that's Um, a different kind of invalidation too right
1: so that's a different and that's like the complete opposite process of you and I think a lot of it has to do kind of what you said is skin color like Mm -hmm. you're you're little like darker than like me I'm like white right so I may, I may not get asked that I don't get that asked at all you know um and it's more of like a oh, now I see it, or, oh, okay, yeah, now I can kind of see, it. yeah, you're, but, like, sometimes Asian, particularly the Asian folks, will be, like, yeah, there's something about your eyes, like, that's just not, yeah, I, right. I kind of had the feeling, or, like, the top ones I get are,
0: like, white, which I get kind of offended by, because I'm not sure. Asian. <laughs> well, I'm and like, the other part is, Whoa. even though, you just said, like, you're kind of white in your skin, but... But I'm not coding that in. You're a very East Asian. Yes. Well, I admit I do.
1: I'm the ideal East Asian um, Eurocentric East Asian uh, idol. Right. Like they they idealize pale skin wide almond eyes and i have double lids you have so i definitely feel like i have a lot of privilege i have a lot of privilege in the east asian uh community and you know it gets fetishized by guys that i might go on dates with whether asian i don't date white men but like (laughs) asian asian men um women less so it's always a great experience with women like that just never comes up because it's just like hey like yeah We're we're just here. We're we're just here. We're all
0: beautiful. Yeah, we're just like all
1: beautiful. We're just like looking at each other anyway. But like, um, what else that I was was like? Oh, so I often get Asian, so white. Mm -hmm. Um, And the second one I get is just people thinking I'm Japanese, which is very interesting. And I think it has to do with Japanese ideal. Mm-hmm. Being very pale skinned, being double yeah. lids and the almond eyes. So yeah. I get that a lot, especially in Japan and even Japantown, San Francisco. Like uh in Japantown, like they start speaking Japanese to me. I'm like, oh oh, innocent oh oh, sense. <laughs> <laughs> and they like, wait, but you just said this. So I'm yeah. very confused. And I'm like, oh no no. no. Not, yeah.
0: That's funny because if I tell a Japanese that, wa right. then it's like, yes. are you sure? Or that's wow. cute. I <laughs> usually get, no, Filipino, right? Like, because if I'm Asian, I can only be Filipino. They're the mixed ones, you know, like right. that kind of stuff. So, um, I, yeah, when it comes to to the Asian identifying things, mm. you no know, regardless of who I'm speaking to, if they're East or Southeast Asian, mm-hmm. um, i I am not not coded correctly and And even just like don't have permission to be japanese
1: yeah i feel like that's something that you must definitely deal with and for me i feel like i kind of live like a sham like a sham life and like i'll 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 go into like what i mean by that like even Mm -hmm. today when i was helping out um the, they they look at me they code me as asian so then they start speaking in like the language and then when i can't perform when i can't deliver cantonese yeah. or when i can't deliver mandarin they kind of are like oh like you're not functioning correctly like what what's <laughs> going on like i kind of why feel are a bit, broken? <laughs> why, why are you broken and like that happened to me even in japan because like i was with a friend a, a white friend who knew more Japanese than I did. So she was actually hauling ass and carrying the team by like mm-hmm. uh, asking directions and stuff. And the the Japanese like storekeepers and people would like look at me and be like, you know, they kind of give you the look, the glance of like, wait a minute, like why is the white person talking to me in Japanese? And why, why aren't you? And I'm like, cause I don't, I don't know too much. I know a little bit, yeah. I just don't know. So I think for me, I feel like I live a life of I don't want to say shame, but I, I feel like I'm a disappointment sometimes to people yeah. because they code me this way. But then I don't work out the way that they thought. And it kind of.
0: Yeah. So like the language Absolutely. barrier, you yeah. know. So and I think in particular, I i mean, I can't speak for for the Latin people or anything like that, but an Asian-ness. Yes. Happens. It's come up so often because when. Asians spread out to other places, almost everybody except for the Japanese maintain language. So mm-hmm. if you end up being Chinese, but you don't speak the language, that's weird. You know, it's, it's very what's weird. broken. That's strange. Yes. Uh, yes. Whereas, like, if I don't speak Japanese, that's not necessarily a problem because mm-hmm. I'm also mixed, but also my mother didn't speak Japanese, despite the fact that she lived in Japan for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was less of a problem, you know, like that wasn't that big of a problem. It was kind of a Mm -hmm. thing, but not really, but the fact that my grandmother left Japan was mm-hmm. the reason why her children weren't Japanese, mm-hmm. not because she married a white guy and not be, you know, but because she left Japan. Right. Um, and so for me to have that many stages of removal, language generation, you know, two generation or second generation born in America, all that kind of stuff. And then I do speak a little, I don't speak a lot, but I do speak a little and it is such a novelty. Yes. It's yes. so cute or whatever. Also, they can't understand me but also i'm doing a good job
1: uh, <laughs> it, you know like it's
0: just like it just blows <laughs> your little asian mind when you have to deal with this you're like how can i both be you know really and good eat. and terrible I'm so, I like fat, and i'm like wait b- 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 what oh that is the okay that crosses that crosses a lot of asian cultures The yes, you're too fat but also i'm going to keep feeding you and don't turn me down for food because then, yeah. you, then you're not accepting my love because i'm not gonna yeah. hug you um, yes. <laughs>
1: Exactly. <laughs> so I I, I want to like backtrack to what you said about oh my god what, would, what did you say it was like oh uh, talking about your grandma and how it was an intentional choice for her to leave like mm-hmm. she kind of severed those opportunities like she made right. that choice but in that process it severed a lot of things for the next generations to come right in terms Absolutely. of finding or like wanting. More connections to this identity, and yes. like so too, I feel like that has happened to my Latinx identity. So not only do I physically look more Asian, and hence mm. was accepted more so in these communities, and which is why I, I lean more on my Asian side, and sure. have way quote unquote chosen that. Yeah. Um, but I've chosen that side. But my mom, um, upon graduating college in San Antonio, because she's from San Antonio, Texas. She once she left to go to Sacramento for for a job, Mm -hmm. um, she kind of just cut everyone out of her life other than her mom and then my uncle. So her her um, brother, Mm -hmm. like she severed those ties. She was like, I'm getting out of the barrio like I'm getting out of the neighborhood, this Mm. rough life. I'm gonna have to do that. No one else really has done that in my family, and I'm gonna. I need to do that. But in doing so, she severed a lot of ties um, with some of her, with with like all of her other extended family because mm-hmm. you know there was drugs uh there was violence gang Mm. getting involved in gangs like one of her cousins got involved in that and unfortunately passed away in jail Mm. um so it was like a really rough extended family so in order to protect herself and you know her nuclear family so my abuelita and and my tío like she had to make those decisions but in doing so i you know i feel like a year ago when I was in Texas I was frustrated by that and I was kind of mm-hmm. resenting her a bit because I was like I want to like pick up my Spanish again. Like I, I studied it right. all in like college. I, I did like Latin exercise and now I've lost a lot of it, but like, I mean, it's still True. there, but like, I was like, I want to do Mexican cooking. I love cooking as a hobby. And like, I want to get more into Mexican cuisine and like, you don't know how to cook. Um, and I don't have anyone else in the family to kind of reach out to and learn more. Mm-hmm. So I was really presenting that, but then it was also like, but that was like how can I resent someone for wanting safety? Right. Uh, for wanting financial stability for her mom and her, and her uh, brother and for herself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then also just like also considering and realizing the bigger social factors of Tex-Mex food and Tex-Mex culture. So Tejana mm-hmm. culture, like you didn't have your own ranch, like rancheros. right? Like, you, didn't, yeah. you, didn't, you didn't have your own ranch. You didn't grow your own food. You had to like work long ass hours. You had to come home and put food on the table. What could you put like ready to go beans wheat wheat tortillas being sold and marketed to like latinx families which were way more unhealthier than corn maize you just had to like put rice beans and tortillas on the table like that was all you could do that's what Mm -hmm. that's what all a single mom whose like husband left her with two kids like that's all you can do and if that's what you grew up eating that's kind of what you replicate right so how how i possibly expect my mom to know how to cook things from scratch and like idealized mexican way of cooking right so that was probably a tangent but like it really tops no
0: that that makes a lot of sense to me though because i also have that with my grandmother where she's just like why do you care so much about the japanese stuff like because she'll straight up be like you're not japanese why do you like this and i'm like but i you are aren't i because you in because for her it's not about the ethnicity or the culture it's about the country and um and so we as mixed kids i think and i've talked about this on the show before like i think there's a a special kind of a different kind of mourning or Mm -hmm. grief that's associated with the disconnect from where we come from whatever that means and like yeah I'm from, I'm born in Sacramento, raised in Texas and, and in Long Beach. So that's where I'm from. So the cultural things that I understand about those areas are me. Mm-hmm. And yet I'm longing for yes. stuff from Japan. I'm longing for stuff from England. I'm longing for stuff from Gabon because those are the places that my ancestors have come from. And there's something that speaks to me about them. And yeah. I don't know what it is. And even the people that I would go to for an access point, like you said, with your mom, like yes, you, we've idealized... The things we want access we, to yeah absolutely. and we expect it of our families absolutely. and they might not be able to do or you might be causing them pain like i don't know yes. what would make my grandmother so obsessed with america that she dated two americans until she found one to marry you know to mm-hmm. marry you know like i don't know that kind of stuff and i'll probably never know that stuff about my grandmother because you know we only know our grandmothers as grandmothers we don't know okay. them as women you know oh, oh like yes yes and yeah. uh, when we sit there and we try to do this, like, this is a conversation that I, I can have with other mixed folks that, you yeah. know, and maybe even children of, monoracial children of immigrant families, too, probably have this, too, where you just, you grieve this yeah. thing that you want access to, but really don't feel like you can or have permission. Yeah. I mean, it,
1: <laughs> it does. It does suck. And I think it's also to do with history and the social constructs of their time when they came here. The mm-hmm. objective was to assimilate. The objective was to be American, adopt this American way. And um, yeah, just like maybe that is what influenced like your grandma and my, my abuelita and like my um, Chinese ancestors. Like for sure, if you think about it, like there were a lot of... Like, I see even in my family photos of, like, my grandma, who I never got to meet on my Asian side. Mm-hmm. Um, Elaine was, like, her English name, right? Right. Um, but, I mean, she was so beautiful. And, like, these chongsams or like, the qipao, so the, yeah. the Chinese dress. She would always be wearing them. Like, never, rarely did I see her in, like, Western clothing. It's like, mm-hmm. And I guess in a way what you were talking about, idealizing the past and idealizing our roots. I do idealize her as someone who, oh, like she wanted to keep that and didn't want to like totally modernize. Like she was from Hong Kong. Like she wanted to keep that identity. She never spoke English. She only spoke Cantonese to my dad and my uncle. But like, maybe that is idealizing, but I also feel like it's still impactful and like that inspires me to embrace more and learn more. So like- Maybe it's a, maybe it was based on false pretenses, but in a way, it's still positive because I want to pursue more. Like I want to learn Cantonese. I, I want to do these things.
0: Yeah. No, I think I think it's, it's equally fair that our families wanted to get away from things. If that if that's the story that they wanted yeah. to get away from the things that they come from as and equally fair that we crave those things that they left behind um yeah. I, I i ask myself this a lot and i i don't know the answer honestly i really don't think i know the answer to it is if i left mm-hmm. america to go to any any of my you know home countries or uh, picking picking a new place something that i also kind of idealize or whatever I feel like I wouldn't want to move somewhere that I didn't plan on assimilating to, and yet there's an aspect of me that is resentful of the fact that my both of my grandmothers left their countries behind and adopted americanness. And like mm. fervent like there's something about some immigrant families where it's like a fervent yeah. patriotism in americanness that totally. that they adopt when they come here and you're just sitting here like but ugh. you know it's <laughs> like I'm from here this sucks why do we want to do this. Um but then I don't know like in the lived life part of being from Japan or being from England if uh what they were wa- wanting to get away from or if it felt the same to them that it feels to me who wants to who wants to leave this place that I'm from you know yeah um, but still trying to f- maintain some aspects of where we're from I don't know what American things I would necessarily be trying to discard maintain maintain and discard or, yeah. mostly discard. I think discard would be a lot easier to answer uh-huh. um, yeah yeah than, maintain than maintain but like if I did decide to um uh, let's say just pack it up and go to Gabon and be like, you know, that's where my yeah. ancestors from. Let me see if I can do this. Even look in the way that I look, let's see if I can become a Gabonese. Uh, I mean, certain things that I'm used to in my day-to-day life, obviously probably be a lot harder to discard, but um, yeah. it wouldn't be hard to call myself non-American anymore. I would, I would be pretty easy. That, I think that would be pretty easy. To yeah.
1: Do. I mean, I think that's really interesting because I am someone who has lived abroad and then being mixed um I guess for me hmm. so yeah I mean you are coded by them like you will be yeah. coded by them yeah and that will be jarring um it'll be disappointing or maybe <laughs> sometimes it'll be happy it depends but you will definitely be coded by the wherever you go yeah uh whether it is like a place of like your origin or not like for me I, I decided to take an opportunity to work in Sweden um but would I want to assimilate never but um, like um I definitely was perceived as being Chinese like straight up that's what China. I was gonna
0: ask yeah were you straight American up China, or were you China?
1: straight yeah. up Chinese but as soon as I opened my mouth I was granted so many privileges of being American. Oh, you're American. That's super cool. Like they would kind of look at me at stores. would look at me at stores. Like, "Mm, do you belong in like my organic jean like shop? Like I don't. And then as soon as I'm like, hi, they're like. Oh, she's American. And suddenly I was like, then they were like, Oh, how are you? Like, how did you end up in Malma? Like, how did you, and I was just like, yeah. So it really reaffirmed actually my pride in being American in the sense of there was a lot more diversity and more mixedness that I grew up around and had access to exactly where people would be more likely to get me. Um, Mm. I guess so I it was very isolating in Sweden because it's so homogeneously so homogenous
0: homo- equally to any Asian country they're yes. as homogenous as, yes. yeah absolutely that's and I true. didn't really honestly even think about that kind of stuff cuz when I've traveled yeah um that's the only time I'm aware of my americanness because in america yes. I am don't I'm not granted first citizenship Correct. even Correct. though I'm born here right um yeah. it actually is harder for me to come back into the country than it is for me to leave the country with my yeah. American passport because no. of my brownness. Um, so so that's interesting because so far the places I've been have been predominantly white. I've been to mm-hmm. Canada, England, France. Um, the only non-white country I've been to is the Bahamas. And <laughs> um, in that case, there was something about being an assumption about me being an American richness and all that kind of stuff even though like i was on a renaissance renaissance vacation where i paid like 60 bucks a month for two years (laughs) until i could afford it um but you're right. Like there is a different kind of status granted. And when I was in France and England, I wasn't comfortable with people knowing that I was American. Oh, in
1: France, absolutely. absolutely. I tried to hide it for the longest time. And then my, my friend's French friend found
0: out. And he was like, oh, I was yeah. like, no, please no. save me. <laughs> yeah, a- I, yeah. And I really didn't like What what was great, though, is that when I went to France, I was with my Japanese grandmother and my Spaniard <laughs> uncle. Ooh, so that's how we cool. got around. We nice. would find a Japanese tour group, grandma would pop in, pop back out, you know. She always came back <laughs> to the store, like you know, and then she'd tell me whatever the thing was. Um, that's and then my so Spanish scary. uncle could use uh you Spanish. know, and I think also, too, there was a thing about him having a Spanish, uh Spaniard Spanish sound oh, versus okay. a Latin American. Yes, yeah. oh Spanish. that's a that's a huge oh my god, that's a huge
1: thing. <laughs> wow, like if you call a Latin expert individual like spanish they yeah. will come at you they will oh yeah uh,
0: oh, yeah. yeah no Not my my uncle's mother from spain like don't don't call her mexican or don't, yeah, call, don't her call her it the same like, way uh,
1: yeah, it goes, goes the same way but you know that's so interesting how i actually bonded in in sweden a lot with some spanish folks Yeah, at work. And then, yeah, I guess most of us were at work. Yeah. Uh, And, like, again, for me, this idealization, this desire to connect Mm -hmm. more to the Latinx side really came to light for me when I moved from Sweden to Austin to live and Mm -hmm. work there because my parents had retired. And I was, like, exposing myself to more um, Mexican culture. Like Tejano culture, um, I was listening to a lot of like I know reggaeton is not Mexican, but like a lot of like reggaeton and like ferreo. Mm, I'm very I'm very nasty, but uh, I, I like listen to that in the morning. I don't know why. Like just like <laughs> just, just like Swedish just people start in your day. Yeah, just start in my day. Out to some like freaking like dance music bar club music but um just like swedes like to listen to like heavy metal in the morning on the trains so too do i like my reggaeton and perreo like yeah, it's the same it's thing so like, like <laughs> just tell me I'm beautiful that you want my body up against yours like hell yeah but like <laughs> but um, <laughs> I was really connecting there. And so, yeah. I, and I was, you know, I, I was having so much fun there and exploring that. And I want to end with, with something as well, or like at least mention something as well yeah. to that nature of why I love Austin so much and why maybe you associate me with Texas because I like to mention Texas. And I think it was because I was beginning to, I did like become, you could, I was safer. I felt more yeah. safe to finally express this because I was living abroad in China and yeah. then in Northern Virginia and like where there were Asian communities there. Mm-hmm. And like I was hopping back and forth here, all in Asia, all in Asia, all in both of my Asian identity. And then mm-hmm. suddenly I have this opportunity to be here in Texas and really yeah. start to let myself not feel like I'm not enough or that I'm not yeah. this so that i feel right. And then finding out like Selena, like the queen, La Reina, like she was someone who didn't mm-hmm. Like, like uh, Spanish was on her first language and she learned right. it and having a lot of Latinas also kind of speak up and see them in interviews saying like, yeah, like my parents never spoke Spanish to me and I feel like I was excluded. And like, there's a lot of that in the Latinx yeah. community. Of, like, if yeah. you don't speak Spanish, like you're kind of ostracized or you're looked down upon, right? Mm-hmm. Um where was I going with this? But yeah, so like I, I really loved Austin, so it was really hard for me to move to the Bay yeah. because I was so attached to this. And but then you became Asian again I because you moved Asian. to a place that's predominantly Asian? Asian. True, and like I mean, there are places in SF like the Mission, mm-hmm. and like there are lots of next communities, but now I feel like it's very harder because I get translated and coded as Asian, and therefore I get a lot of Asian opportunities, which i have not. I'm not saying is bad i love that, right. that i can get involved in this community here in oakland chinatown but like i do feel like i was like oh this is like too little too late i kind of feel like i missed my chance again and i, I want to go back to austin like if mm-hmm. i want to move somewhere i would like to go back to austin and like mm-hmm. there, i'll just like really quickly end end with something or at least mention this um this really spiritual experience and we've kind of been talking a little bit about like um just longing for this, idealizing and longing for this um, mm-hmm. this other or this this foreign land or, or thing. Um, I went to the Picos. I believe it was like the Picos Reserve. It's like this Picos River runs mm-hmm. through this deep canyon. Uh, in uh western texas like it took us like seven hours for my family and i have to drive there um it's like a national heritage site it's like a, ha- it's okay. a heritage site protected by like the state and and mm-hmm. stuff like that for native american indigenous art and i kind of i'm not a religious person or anything but i felt very at peace there like it was yeah. just i like we hyped there it was like in the heat of summer so it was hella hot mm-hmm. um the eagles and like the hawks or not the eagles, the hawks were like huge, but like super comfortable with like humans. they came like really close to us. Oh, and I was like, God. yo, I'm scared. But like <laughs> realizing like, oh, they kind of know humans because mm-hmm. indigenous people were on and lived in this canyon yeah. with them in harmony. So maybe through the generations they've also like felt so they're they're like it's normal, it's normal to be mm-hmm. around. Things that look like us. Um, but then I so I felt this way, just at peace and like the wind and just everything. It felt so nice walking there with my family, only to go to the very whitewashed, colonial-esque like little dioramas and like history of like, look at this huge ass walk. And I'm just like I was like, wait, oh right, like i didn't know chinese like migrants were here along with latinos and the indigenous people and white people all at the same time living in this very canyon and i just felt like oh i wonder if that's why i felt so like at peace or like i felt a certain way about this place because there were asian people there were literal chinese people here few like 100 years ago like a 100 years ago there there could have been like Chinese people here along with like, Latinos along with like indigenous folks and i was just like wow what yeah. a place to
0: be there are moments like that that um you know i i say it at the start of the show i'm an atheist i'm not a person that really believes in many things um but i i do feel a sense of like connection to nature type stuff that yes. like, there's moments that really the everything aligns, whatever I don't know how to describe it, the way I feel about it. Um, but mm-hmm. there are these moments where things like that happen that connect you yeah. back to whatever your cultures are, where you're just like you weren't even a part of this, but it's speaking to you. Yeah. And I think that's where like if I'm at a, a Japanese heritage festival of some sort and someone's yeah. playing taiko drums, and all of a sudden, like I'm weepy because that's it's beautiful, it's, beautiful it's talking sound. to something. Yeah, yeah. And it's a beautiful sound. If I if I'm at um. A Juneteenth thing and there's these African drummers and dancers and then on top of it the the drummers are women which is a big deal because there weren't women drummers and stuff like that and all of a sudden I'm weeping again but it's this thing of where like something outside of the culture that I had access to but is somehow tied to the cultures that I'm from Yeah. um, it, it like my dna is lit up because i can feel you know yeah. i'm hearing it and i can feel it, i can connect to it so i think like what you're describing is is those moments that i think i've experienced too where it's just like this is where the grief maybe the longing comes in is that you know even though we left even though somebody in our you know mm-hmm. left and moved on or whatever uh, it's still in here it's still Absolutely. coursing through our veins we can and change still, it we can and change we can it change for the better. better yeah and that's beautiful yeah and i that's <laughs> one of the things that i'm i'm grateful I mean, I'm sure I would have been a perfectly happy monoracial whatever, but <laughs> like as a mixed person, I'm grateful to to not just have that with one space, but to have that with many. Um, and I, I I never knew like I was like I'll never have this on the white side. Like I'll never I I don't know any white moments of. And then I went to Stonehenge. Um, and granted, oh. it's a weird place, so you're you're <laughs> already prone to like expecting things, but there's a weird kind of silence that's there, even those people all around you, um, and the way that you. hear the wind as it goes through the plane, because it is a very windy space, uh, where that was the only time that I can think of on record in my life that I felt like a similar kind of connection. But again, we're talking about people that were more connected to the land than necessarily the colonizer type which is yes that's very true (laughs) um (laughs) i mean you know i'm assuming uh but uh but yeah so i think there's these moments these things that that wake us up and remind us that it's okay it's okay that we're from where we're from it's okay that we're different than the people we originate from but that that they're always there they're in there um and i think it's fair to Like, you you pursue whatever it is that that longing is wanting you to do, you know, like if it is listening to music, if it is eating the food, is it if finding a hybrid dish um, or making one or making one or creating something that works for both, um, you know, I think I think that's when that's when it gets really good but since we are coming to a little bit of the end i know it goes by in this particular case it went by way too fast so you and i could (laughs) talk forever because i'm i'm i adore you but um i like to ask all my guests what do they love most about being mixed so it's your
1: what do i love most about being mixed
0: I mean, you and I didn't talk about a lot of trauma, but in the early days of this show, which is why I started trauma! to ask the question, it was very trauma heavy. Um, oh, it's a little yeah. bit more positive now. So it almost comes out of left field when I ask the question, where it's just like, That's good, just about only good things. But what of the best bestest? Uh, but back then it was like, I know we just dealt with a whole lot of trauma. Let's get out of that trauma.
1: <laughs> I think for me, it's... um. The positive thing is just surprising people. I don't know. I yeah. kinda <laughs> actually, I just really like the surprise, especially on like like Latinx folks' faces when they're mm-hmm. like, what? Like, I'll just tell you, yeah, surprising people. And I'll, the recent example is in a paleteria, so like mm-hmm. a, a popsicle shop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in, in uh, Austin, so I was craving like popsicles and there was a paleteria very close by. So my family, my mom, dad, me, I'm, this, I'm the only child. We went to this store and they're looking at us like, huh? Like, what? <laughs> and so then, of course, my mom is finished like, oh, ah, this is my family. Like, this is me, mi mija. And they're like, wait, that. That's your daughter and it's like, yeah, like oh I was like, oh yeah, see, uh I don't know, who keeps this video. They're like, oh my god. And they're like yeah, he's married to her and we're like, yeah. And he's, You're married to it
0: is like Yeah, yeah,
1: it is they were just like really like Dios mío. They're just like, Oh my god, de veras? Like really? Like you're really? Like de veras? veras." I was like, so it's that surprise that I kind of live for because it kind of gives me a sense of pride of like this is cool. Like I'm surprising people. And like that's what I hope to feel like ideally, like what America is, the like diverse, rich. Mm place where we can have mixed folks and we can meet each other and, and just right. surprise people.
0: Yeah. Surprise. People. I mean it makes sense. When you leave your home why wouldn't you be curious about the people that, are yeah. the that you moved to, right? So and sometimes that curiosity turns into Love, Love. Yay. Um, that's awesome thank you again so much for for joining me uh we probably need to have uh our own side podcast because we yeah. every time we've talked it's felt this way and i, I think uh <laughs> i think we need to be uh friends now um but um uh, why don't you, are? No, no i don't mean know. like 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 we could get on the plane together to eat our way through asia or okay, to eat our I've way seen, through yes, Latin of mexico this is, a, this is a
1: vlog this is a vlog yes, series Yes, do we, this.
0: we just need donations to pay for all the things <laughs> and um, and we'll report on it from the mixed perspective. Uh, but I think this is a thing like this is where this this is the next stage in our relationship. I love we're, it. We're going to take this. <laughs> uh, why don't you tell everybody again how to find your show and social needs and all that kind of stuff?
1: Sure. Yeah. If y'all are interested in listening to us um, again, I'm a co-host or uh, oh, sorry, cut this out. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, if you're interested in listening to our podcast, the Off Ethnic Podcast, you can find us on Instagram at Off Ethnic Podcast. Um, we're also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So yeah, check us out.
0: Awesome. And I will link in the show notes uh, to the show as well. And it is—I've talked about it before on previous episode. Um, it's six oh. episode. It's six episodes in your first yes. season, right? Yes. Um, and one of them you did with your uncle. Yes, right, which is really like super informative and everything like that. But, um, what I loved most about it, I think, is that I'm hearing social justice conversation, I'm hearing things from the Asian American perspective, which up until recently, I hadn't been accessing, I hadn't been leveraging my own Asian American identity to get involved into this side Mm. of the conversation. And so to hear it happening played out in front of me actually opened up a lot of things for me to look at and, and think about myself too, because I really mostly approach things from my black side. Uh, That's, Mm. that's the access point that I come into social justice and stuff. So that is what I enjoyed the most about the episode. Um, and I know you have your, your repeat friends, your college mates and things that, that have been on the show oh, yes. um, and all of them and all of them came with perspectives that made sense and and were hybrid even within their monoracial identities as well. So I thought, um, yeah, it was just, I'm really excited for y'all because I thought it was oh a God, really great so uh, show. And I, I didn't know it before the award ceremony, but i found it af- you know afterwards i looked for it i tagged it in my head as soon as we were on the, See, on
1: the well thing, so. when we that saw you say. at golden crane i was private i was private messaging yonso and i'm like we need to talk to charmaine and he was like already on it i was like I already <laughs> found her instagram i'm like yes <laughs> so we we were also very keen me yeah. especially being mixed i
0: was probably one of those people who commented oh my gosh, Charmaine. I no no i think you did because i had a list of so oh god so we right. i'm just going like writing down to the people uh, and, and stuff up. and yeah um like screenshots screenshots because I forgot you could d- download the chat afterwards yes. and so I was just like screenshotting all the things. Um so yeah you were uh one of the bucket list people to reach out to and then when we got paired together for project I was, project uh, I was Asia, like i do it with, do it with it. No one else do it. I... No one else mine. Um what? But again, thank you so much. I'm so glad that we got to do this. And um, having me. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Peace. Love, man. Have a great day. You too. Militantly Mixed is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by David Bogan, The One. You can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed.